We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to the Woman to Woman Show with myself, Roshni Clare, on Community Radio, KilkennyCity.ie. You are tuned and listening to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. And you, you're very welcome. Uh, it's Wednesday, so it's the Woman to Woman show. A huge thank you to Don Devlin for uh, keeping us all com- uh company today with his great music and uh, on the show we have a busy packed show for you today a little while on we'll be talking to Karen Kernan from One Family Island discussing the challenges for people parenting alone and given early year services who have reopened in terms of access to work and additional maternity leave that are not available to single mothers and how this negatively impacts their babies and versus babies in two, two parent families Deirdre Cullen will be coming in and she'll be given us the, the uh, information relating to Ch- Kilkenny's children returning to school in September and just giving us updates and as we know everything with COVID-19 is changing not day by day but minute by minute and hour by hour so Deirdre will be coming in and she'll be giving us some of the up-to-date information and advice and tips and uh, later on at the end of the programme we'll have Sarah Kearns from the Amber Women's Refuge but before that we are discussing about the other babies in our homes and the, in our family pets and we are all seeing in the media, mainstream media and the social media reports that our pets are all being stolen. And on the line now, I have the uh, uh, activist, very uh, strong activist in animal care and animal cruelty is Eugene McGuinness. And in studio, we have dog behaviour expert and canine uh, training kennels and um, also uh, livery cables, Samantha Rawson. And a lot of you would know Samantha Rawson from Kilkenny today. Eugene McGuinness, you're very welcome and you're a very honorary man to the Woman to Woman show. Absolutely fantastic. I'm delighted to say that... uh Jim McGuinness is on the Woman to Woman show. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's the first. <laughs> that's the first, most definitely. We have no gender bias here on the on the Woman to Woman show, Eugene. Oh, that's good. Eugene, unfortunately, uh, we're turning to sadder moments about. And I, I saw in the the newspaper today uh, today that there's animal, even dogs, gone missing from Paulstown. But what's really worrying is. It's heartbreaking, you know, so many animals are going missing and being stolen from horses to dogs and family pets. It's just, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, dogs, animals of any description are um, a valued pet and a valued part of the family. And uh, when they go missing, of course, it is heartbreaking for everybody in that household. Uh, Unfortunately, what we have now is we have social media. And uh, I'm constantly trying to warn people that as much as it looks lovely when you put pictures of your pet up on social media, there are people out there who look at this and say, well, yeah, I'd like that dog. That dog could be easily sold or that horse. Or, and it's easy to find people on social media exactly where they live. And as a consequence of that, that is most definitely feeding into the problem that we have. And, uh, I mean, the guards are doing their best. But, 
you have pe- people patrolling Wexford, Kilkenny, and those dogs are gone and usually sold, and they'll never they'll never get them back. And it's heartbreaking for the people that are, that, that uh, own them, obviously. And Eugene, what has caused the surge? It seems to be a surge. It seems to be like the surge of every couple of minutes. Now, even since we came on air, Instagram have, have contacted me, and this is just since we came on air, another dog has gone missing in the country. And this is, it seems to be every hour we're hearing about dogs going missing. Well, you see, the thing about it is that uh, I suppose criminal fraternity turned their attention to various ways of making money. And, and this is one of them, because some of the dogs that are being purchased now by responsible owners are very, very expensive dogs. I mean, they run not only in hundreds, but in the thousands. And uh, they're they're delighted to put them up on social media, as I said, but they're very easily sold. And I mean, these unscrupulous people that pick up these dogs don't treat them very well and can get them out of the country very quickly. And uh, I mean, it's, it's just the criminal fraternity have now turned their attention to uh, stealing dogs and that's what it is and it's it's, it's rampant I mean I, I hear stories day in and day out uh, and the guards are run ragged in an attempt to try and apprehend these people uh, and uh, everybody needs to be vigilant here because obviously a valued uh, uh, family pet is devastating for the people involved you know and some of these are small dogs that are very very expensive very 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 loved obviously but they're easily to take it's easy to take them out of somebody's uh, garden and dis- disappeared them very quickly and uh, I'd ask everybody and anybody who sees suspicious activity to uh, to report it immediately because uh, it, it's gone to the stage now where as I said it's 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 an epidemic around uh, Ireland and it's getting worse Yes, because it's even heartbreaking for me when well, you were seeing mothers of her pups have been stolen from her, but also the fact that they cut her, ch- her chip and pin out of her neck that is barbaric and cruel and, you know, it's just, it's inhumane, number one. But Samantha Rossing's in with us. Samantha, what have you got um, to say about this? I, I think the, the public bear some responsibility in this, Roisin, because an animal is only, has a value because people are prepared to pay extortionate uh, amounts of money. So, so the public have to look to themselves and their own part in this, because if the public continue to pay unscrupulous people, large amounts of money and and put a value on these dogs. I mean, half these dogs are crossbreeds, which in my day were called mongrels, um, but now they're called designer dogs. And people are paying huge money. And as Eugene says, they then put a photograph of this lovely pup on Instagram or, or wherever, and, and then it's stolen. But the dogs would have no value in the first place if, if the owner didn't pay the extortionate amount of money. So I think the people have to look to themselves and it's up to the public because people like me and, and anybody in welfare and any dog organisation has been talking about this for years. So the public should now be educated. There is no excuse to buy puppies from unscrupulous breeders at ridiculous prices. There is an organisation out there that has uh, been launched by a vet, uh, Tim Kirby and his organisation is called Pet Bond. So if anybody wants to buy a pup from a reputable breeder, you go through Pet Bond or you go through a vet or you go through the Kennel Club. People who are reputable breeders do not sell to anybody and people who are responsible pet owners are prepared to wait. The problem that's happened now is people aren't prepared to wait. It's a disposable society and we want everything now. So animals and pets have become an industry. They've become a commodity. So you go out and you buy the latest dress in, in your fashion store and, and dogs have become as fashionable as the latest piece of clothing. Um, 
and it's it's that kind of status related you know the latest fashion the latest trend that animals it's dogs especially have become a fashion item um and and you know, as I say, in my day, you know, the neighbour's dog accidentally got pregnant. It was a mongrel. No money yeah. passed hands. Same with um, me with my yeah. dog. No money passed Wh- hands. Whereas, whereas now, people think, you know, if I pay a few hundred or a thousand, I'm, I'm you know, in the, with the it crowd. So, so they're proud of, of being robbed by these extortionate people. And then the criminals come along and say, right, well, I'll rob your dog, a bit like robbing your BMW, and I'll sell it. But they're also being robbed to demand. So that's why I say the public have a role to play in this. We need to be more, more vocal and more active. Well, I know, but, but, but the consumer needs to say, no, I'm not paying these ridiculous prices. No, you vote with your feet. So, I, 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 Sorry, I, I actually agree with that 100%. Um, as one who came from the building industry, I can remember a situation, obviously it's nothing to do with animals, but with the power tools and, and, and uh, tools being taken off building sites. And we wouldn't have had that market if there wasn't people there to buy them. Absolutely. So I, I would 100% agree with that insofar as if, if people went to reputable breeders, well, half of this would be dealt with immediately. But it is designer dog uh, area, absolutely. And, uh, and it's a black market. To, it is a black market. There's a huge black market, mm. an absolute huge black market. We used to breed uh, Alsatians at one time, and we were very, very careful about who bought them and the history, etc., etc. But... I, I think, uh, uh, you know, it's quite right that what I see now is that black market, is that designer dog. And people are indeed buying from unscrupulous and uh, unscrupulous uh, dog breeders. And in fact, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're just making it worse. Mm. And uh, I think as long as that goes on, and quite right again, the public have to take responsibility here. Um, and that is going on. And the people that are stealing these dogs, they don't care about animal welfare. It's about money. That's what it's about. It's nothing to do with animal welfare. And uh, I think that the public have to take responsibility. Don't buy animals from unregistered uh, dog owners. Don't buy them, unregistered breeders. And what I would add to that, Eugene, is don't buy a dog from somebody you met in a car park. Do you know what I mean? You know, drug deals are done in car parks. Well, you you can see dogs online. And I think, just like we did all those years ago on building sites, you can go out to a car boot sale and buy a drill for 50 euros that's worth 700. I mean, you know perfectly well that it's coming from somewhere. All you're doing is feeding that particular market. Mm. And the same applies now to animals and and dogs. And it's it's gone so bad. I mean, I can't believe it. But, I mean, social media has such a part in this. I mean, people don't realise. I know they love putting up pictures of their lovely dog. And immediately what happens is that those people can find that address. They can Google Earth it. They can see if there's a lame to the back of the house. And that dog is gone in a day and usually sold, as you rightly said, before they pick it up. And do you, Eugene, one of the thoughts that I had, I don't know what your, your thoughts are on this, that, that if the Revenue Commissioners got involved, even with the licensed puppy breeders, right? I mean, you know, an awful lot of puppy breeders are licensed by the council. And they're, they're supposedly legit. I would have my own doubts about that. Because anybody who has 99 breeding bitches, I don't know how there's enough hours in the day. So, so that's a whole other conversation. But I honestly believe that the Revenue Commissioners could, could knock this off overnight if they got involved. Well, I see you, 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 have, you have people that breed dogs in all ends of the country, in backyards and back gardens and one thing or another. And uh, as I've said, and one of the reasons that we have that article in the paper, uh, I was suggesting there that um, the council have rules and regulations with regard to tenancy in local authority houses. 
I know some people don't totally understand what I was trying to say there, but uh, what I was suggesting was that um, in the case of animal cruelty, that we could strictly enforce these laws and that we could go into these sites, and a lot of them are sites, and examine how many dogs are there, who's shipped, who's not, and take the dogs that are not. For the, for the people who have animals, and more than two, treat them well uh, and, and have them in proper accommodation. I don't have a problem with that. I am trying to get at animal cruelty and trying to get at these breeders that in some cases uh, are in local authority houses and we have the regulation to go in after them now because indeed I know places that these dogs are being bred you're quite right some of these people have 20, 30 animals in the back garden and uh, I, I think that has to be clamped down on and we as a council will have to straighten up our own issues first and uh, I'm trying to get them to move on that as quickly as possible to go after certain people who are breeding dogs and selling them and uh, I think it's a huge, huge industry and if we get the revenue involved in it, by all means I don't care which department come in on it certainly the revenue have a role to play if people are breeding dogs uh, and selling 20 or 30 animals of course they have, but there's a lot of backyard breeders who I think we could probably, some of them are in local authority that we can chase after and we can deal with and I think it has to be a coordinated effort here because this is just out on a scale all of its own Well Eugene unfortunately we've run out of time but will you and Samantha keep the woman to woman show updated of any developments on, uh, on a weekly basis of, on what we can do to actually help uh, bring more public awareness to the public regarding one at cruelty to animals, two anybody suspicious and stealing uh, family pets and also about the animal cruelty and, and everything else I certainly will. I certainly keep everybody updated. Eugene McGuinness, uh, County Councillor, thank you so much for taking the time to speak on the Woman to Woman show today. And to Samantha Rawson. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short commercial break and do stay tuned. We'll be talking to Karen Kiernan from One Family Island. Do stay tuned. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Good afternoon. You are tuned and listening to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Um, you know, it's just heartbreaking that all the animals are sort of going missing and really it's like really looking after and being more vigilant out there because, you know, they're, they're stealing ordinary pets as well from... Uh, sort from who are not breeders of their animals and it's heartbreaking and maybe I'm... I'm really heartbroken because I lost my dog in, in, in January and it was just heartbreaking enough to lose my baby doll uh, from just going to the vet and being sick and dying, even though that was a shock uh, and everything else. But to have your, do- your baby doll, your baby stolen from your garden, stolen from your house and um, not being able to help or protect them is actually, you know, it's heartbreaking. We're just... Uh, uh, dialing and our next guest we're, we're going to go for a short uh, public announcement of the um, of the COVID-19 but we'll, we'll be back after the show after this break We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM On the line now we have Karen, uh, Karen Kernan from One Family Island and 
I think a lot of us are all with the discussions now that there's so much going on in the media about children, childcare, maternity leave, parental leave, and it really needs to get out there. And really, it's a really worrying time with parents wanting to get back to work, and childcare is just not there and available. On the line now, as I said, Karen Kiernan from One, Fam- One Family Island. Karen, how are you? You're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman Show. Thank you, and thanks for having me on again. Oh, no, it's our pleasure, Karen, because you are an advocate for one-parent families and for people who are parenting alone and for the whole family unit. And you also represent, even in... I was on one of your um, Zoom calls with the... Uh, talking about the the family law and everything else. So we're really getting that message out there that a lot more has to be done for families who are parenting alone. That's right. There's so many different issues um, and it's great that you can highlight the issues um, because there's there's a lot of problems for mums and dads who are trying to parent on their own or share parenting around the country. And it, there's even a bigger issue now with um, even like the, the, the simple fact that um, there just is the, how many um, creches are not opening. There's, I think a third of the creches aren't opening. So there's a childcare issue now with even parents who want to get back to work and need to get back to work, but there's no childcare. That's it. And this is the fear we had before the services were allowed to open. And it's, there's a report in the paper today that actually less than a third of creches have reopened two, since two weeks ago. And um, so that's very worrying because I suppose our concern has been that for for parents who are working, they've really had to struggle trying to balance work um, with minding their children. And so there isn't this big reopening for them, for younger children or obviously for school-aged children. And so we need employers and we need the government to be aware of that and to still show flexibility to parents. Um, and, and I suppose we're worried because lone parents have less support. Um, the, the grandparents may not be available to mind the children anymore. And we really don't want people pressured out of jobs or, or made to lose jobs because they just don't have anyone else to mind their children. And, you know, that in itself is with everything with COVID-19 and all the restrictions and back to work. And now the stress is, oh, God, I've got to go back to work. I can't go. So that's even causing more stress, financial strain and emotional and mental stress in the home. It is. And I suppose the other issue is is that the COVID payment um, is not available to people who have to mind their children if they still have a job available. So it's a little confusing. I suppose we're also calling on the government to make sure that for parents, particularly because we're concerned about people who are parenting on their own, if they don't have any other options in terms of childcare, to please at least give them that income of the pub payment so that they don't lose their homes, so that they don't lose everything that they've built up over recent years, which has been very, very difficult for many lone parents. Because if they don't have the childcare they can't work, so the government, we need them to support them because if you can't work, you've known to mind your children, that's a very good reason. And this, I know, because there's still so much uncertainty about schools in coming months, we still don't know really what's going to happen and may, will schools be open fully or not. So it's, it's a very precarious time and we need to protect children and protect the parents just to make sure that we're not creating bigger problems down the road for, for families that are already doing their very best um, to, to stay in work and, and to keep things going during a difficult time. And even, you know, 
that in itself is a stress and why. And then there's the additional uh, issues with maternity leave that are not being available to single mothers. And this is, has a real negative impact, doesn't it, on the babies and babies of one and two parent families. Yeah, so I think there's, there is some, um, they're, they're fixing the issue around um, the, the maternity leave and public payment not being available to those who came off maternity leave. And I suppose the issue that one family has been concerned about since last year is that there's extra um, maternity, extra, sorry, parental leave coming in. And um, this is a gender equality issue. It's from the Department of Justice and the Department of Social Protection. And it's to encourage um, and support more fathers. Um, as well as mothers, to be able to play a role in their young children's life, which is brilliant. Um, and there's going, at the moment, there's three weeks each available to them, and it's going up to a maximum of seven weeks. The problem is, if you're a single parent, and most likely a single mother who's just had a baby, and you're completely on your own, you're not allowed to take the other allocation of the leave, and you only get half the leave. And really what we're concerned about is then, those babies only get half the extra time. And the purpose of this is to give babies more time with their parents because we know it's better for them not to go into group settings under the age of one. So we're worried about that and and there doesn't seem to be any change from government on this, which is disappointing because we think all babies should have access to the same supports and not um, to give less access to um, babies of single parents rather than two-parent families. And that would also have an effect on a, a, a mother who's just given birth to a baby and has to get back to work. And, you know, even going out to checkups, getting the babies to their appointments for their checkups, that doesn't give the, uh, allow that time for them appointments to be uh, facilitated. Yeah, so, it, I mean, this is extra leave on top of the 20-odd weeks that's mm-hmm. there already. But it is, you're right, it's for all those um, all those processes that take a lot of time and that the, the time and effort that goes into the, to raising a, a small baby. Um, you know, any baby under the year at the age of one really needs a lot of time and really benefits from a lot of time from one or two main carers. So, so all of that is in the mix. And I suppose it's disappointing that the babies of single parents are losing out because this is a gender equality issue to support dads, which is brilliant. But we think that the, if there isn't a dad um, and there, or there isn't a second parent, that there should be an ability for the um, single mother to have that leave. Um, so that the baby doesn't lose out. Well, you know, I'm also hearing a lot of reports that you, maybe you might be able to shed light or clarity on it, that a lot of um, even like appointments for children and, and even uh, mothers who've just come out of hospital, they have, due to the COVID-19, and that's understandable, they haven't been able to get all the regular checkups uh, post-delivering uh, baby. Absolutely. So I think we've seen a decimation across all the kind of preventative, normal health services and babies supporting um, new mothers, supporting babies, checkups, all of that is part of that. The whole catch-up in the health service. So it's really important that we keep supporting people to be able to get to those appointments, even if it's outside the regular time period. Um, you know, that, that's there from employers or from the government because the the first few months and years of a child's life are the absolute most important. So we really need to help them get the best start that they can in life. Yes, and that is what's so important. And it's really important to give the, the babies that 
that care and attention in their first days and weeks and months of their life and for the mother as well. Absolutely. And so we would work a lot with people when they're pregnant as well as then after they've had their children. Um, And for some people, they might be reluctant about the pregnancy. It might not be an ideal situation. They may, their relationship may have ended during the pregnancy or indeed we know that most people separate during the first year of a baby's life. So we know that for many parents, mums and dads, it can be very stressful. Uh, you know, whilst the baby is, is generally um, just joy, um, it's also completely exhausting. And if there's been any ambivalence around the pregnancy or how the, the child was conceived, you know, that can just make it harder for people to bond with their babies and to have a positive parenting experience. So for some new mothers, uh, new parents, they really need a lot more support and it's important that we watch out for that and try and support them as much as possible so that they can bond well with their baby. Um, and that will really, that's the best way of, of giving a child the best start in life. Well, Karen, you know, it's just, we, as you said, the, they need to have um, the additional weeks allocated and, and show transparency for single mothers as well, not just to, you know, to two-parent families. And this has to be worked out. It does. So hopefully that will happen. Um, uh, last year when, we, when this issue came to light, uh, we spoke extensively to both government departments involved and understood that it was um, a gender equality issue. It's something that's very common across Europe. It's to encourage dads um, as I said, to get more involved and to give them more time, which is really great. But they are concerned about passing um, the extra time to a lone mother um, for fear that in two-parent families, some people would not, some dads would not take up the time. So that's disappointing because it's a concern about fraud that's actually stopping um, uh, uh, the baby of a lone mother having um, the extra time with their parents. So I think that that kind of thing has to stop and we need to come up with a more innovative way to make sure that the policy works the way it's supposed to uh, for every baby and for every parent. Well, Karen Kernan from One, One Family Annie, will you keep us up to date of any new developments maybe um, on a weekly basis and we can get that out, this message out to, uh, to mothers out there and to Absolutely. all parents? Well, Karen Kernan, as usual, thank you so much because this is a really important issue for um, mothers and, and for parents. One for the childcare issues in the child in the uh, childcare industries, all going back to work to provide childcare, so that so parents can go back to work, and also for new mothers as well. It, you know, it's all about our babies and ensuring that, that you know that there's clarity and a safe environment for all our babies, uh, and that we can go to work in, with peace of mind. Exactly, and that's what everybody wants. Um, everyone wants the best for their children, and everybody wants. Um, you know, to support parents and babies. So, yeah, if we can work together to achieve that, that would be great. Well, Karen Keenan, many, many thanks, and we really do appreciate you taking the time to speak to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was Karen Keenan from the One Family Island. After the break, we'll be speaking to local Fianna Fáil County Councillor Deirdre Collin. Do stay tuned. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. 
You're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Just before the break, we were talking to Karen Kernan from One Family Island, discussing the issues of parents and parenting alone and childcare for people to get back to work. On the line now, we have our Fianna Fáil County Councillor Deirdre Collin on the line. Deirdre, you are uh, very passionate and everybody knows that you are a school liaison teacher, so everything to do with childcare and education, you you are an expert on and have great knowledge on. And as you know, a lot of families are wondering and question, what about September? What about school? What, what message do you have to our listeners? Absolutely, Roisin. Of course, it, it, it is a worry um, for every parent out there who's sending their children back to either primary school or post-primary school or indeed, you know, onto third level. Um, it, it has been an incredibly difficult time for everyone. We had remote teaching and learning there um, during the pandemic, during lockdown, and um, we got on with it as educators, Roisin. We had no choice. The students got on with it. But certainly, certainly, it wasn't ideal. Um, there were many children who, I believe, were, were further educationally disadvantaged as a result of remote remote learning. So it is absolutely essential and imperative that we do get back to the classroom, to a school environment. And in accordance with, with the national health and safety measures in place to reduce the spread of the COVID-19 and the guidance received from the Department of Education and Skills, and schools are now devising their response plan to outline protocols and procedures to prevent the spread of COVID-19, first and foremost, uh, to maintain a safe workplace and learning environment, of course, for all of the students and staff. And essentially, Roisin, what should be and what will be, I believe, um, at the heart of every school body would be the safety and well-being of all of the student and staff body. That would be the primary focus for every single school community. There have been some guidelines issued already um, through Minister um, Norma Foley from the Department uh, of, of Education and Skills. But of course, with everything, Roisin, as we know, things are evolving on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, we are we are waiting for further clarification. Uh, we need to take um, every single guidance uh, as possible from our health experts. But I do know that schools are being proactive and they're putting measures in place. Um, an example, you know, from one of the schools that I work out of, Roisin, would be that uh, the school would be divided up into different zones. And you might have perhaps two year groups in, in one particular zone and they won't mix at all with any of the other year groups. And uh, that will be essential really in ter- if somebody does um, if, you know, begin with symptoms that you're not closing down the whole school body that is just a particular zone and you know, for the students in that zone that may need to self-isolate then for, for two weeks after that. So look, at, um, it, it is a concern for every parent. It's a concern for teachers as well. But, but, but certainly I have yet to meet a teacher, Roisin, that isn't... Um, absolutely enthusiastic about getting back in September um, it really is essential uh, remote learning was no substitute for the students coming back into the classroom it certainly wasn't and even for many well-abled um, parents they don't have the skill set or not trained how to impart and teach and deliver training or, or education and imparting that information. And that causes friction. And the parents are saying, hey, I, 
you know what, hands up to the, to, the, to the teachers because we just can't do it, even though they know the subject, but there's a special skill in imparting the information. There is, you know, and to look at, you know, that, that's what we're trained to do. Um, you know, we, we, we are uh, experts in education and, and nobody, parents are, of course, the primary educators of their children, but certainly nobody is expecting a parent to be able to, 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 to do the job of, of, of another, somebody in a different career sense. So, yeah, look, we all, I mean, we all struggled. I'm a, I'm a teacher myself, Roisin. I had the, the, the two kids home and you, you can't get to everything. You're trying to work yourself. You're trying to homeschool. Um, the dinner has to be on. You know, it was very difficult, very difficult for many parents. I found it a struggle at times myself, absolutely. And you had so many other issues. You know, there were kids as well that, um, you know, that we found, you know, hard to reach, hard to get to. Um, they would be, you know, some of our priority priority students in terms of care. And, you know, it, very difficult. There was IT issues. There were many houses that students were relying on mobile phones, um, many houses, and it's an issue that I have highlighted um, significantly since uh, in terms of lack of broadband. And, you know, th there was no easy solution, but students played a blinder. They really got on with it, did their best. Parents did their best, and that's all you could ask. Teachers did their best. Um, but, like I said, it is no substitute. We need the schools to open in September. You mentioned you're talking about childcare previously there. You know, parents need to be able to go to get a, get out and go to work. Um, some, you know, some some families, some parents now are, are able to to work from home and and probably will continue to do so into the future. But there are many that need to you know get out, get into the car, and, and head off. And blended learning, I, I I hope I hope we won't have um, uh, blended learning or a significant amount of it, being that the students will be in for partial. Uh, amount of time in school and then back to remote learning. We, we need to have the students in and, you know, we need to ensure as well that, you know, we, 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 we want to close the gaps experienced during the school closures, especially for some of our priority students who I said were difficult to reach at times. Um, you know, as a school, you know, I welcome, you know, the opportunity given by the Department of Education to organise summer camps specifically aimed at students who are more at risk of educational disadvantage. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of the debt schools will be running them, I think, in August. Some have already um, um, run them. Um, there is a new SBHE programme as well in post-primary with the NCCA, the DES and SBHE, and it's currently being designed to support the transition back to school roaching, which um, is going to be difficult, of course, for, for many students. You know, they've been at home for a long time, and, you know, schools will be facilitating... Uh, facilitated to create a safe space where young people can have conversations about the impact of the recent and current experiences of living with COVID-19 and, you know, to develop some of the coping and self-management skills needed because, as we know, Roisin, it's not just about getting students back in terms of the academic. It's the whole well-being nature of, of the students and the physical and, well, physical and mental well-being of students uh, would be paramount, paramount in schools to their academic success as well and their return. So um, there's, a, there's a great many reasons to get the students back. And please, God, Roisin, uh, we'll all be starting back come the end of August. Uh, you know what? I think the kids, the way they used to be during the summer is, I want to break free out of the school <laughs> and exams and everything. I want to go in. I want to break free and go in and be free with my friends. 
Absolutely. And that's all very important. It's the social aspect of school. It's the well-being aspect uh, and not just the academic, you know. And yeah. this is, I've seen it with my own children. They, they, they desperately, desperately miss the, the, they're in primary school. They miss the playtime in the yard. They miss the chat over their lunch boxes, you know, when, before they went out. They just, you know, and, and miss all the arts and crafts that I necessarily didn't get to myself. You know, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fantastic in that sense. Um, but in terms of post-primary, you know, you have, you know, they, they need to be able to interact with their peers. Very, very important. And it's part of the growing process, you know, yes. and part of our developmental process. And uh, it's been incredibly difficult on everybody, young and old, during, uh, you know, it, it, during this pandemic. But um, to, to get them back it, it is essential. And as with everything else, as we well know, Roshin, it will be on the, the, the basis of advice from our health experts. And rightly so. Um, and that could and change on a daily basis and even hourly basis, like everything else. Absolutely, absolutely. But we see other businesses that have opened up. You know, you have hairdressers, you have restaurants, etc. And, you know, schools schools will absolutely um, put protocols in place to ensure that the safety of the students and of the, 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 the staff uh, as well would be paramount. And, you know, to make sure that um, everyone is looked after, but that, you know, we can get on with it. And, and, and we want to get on with it as educators. We want to be back. And uh, certainly hope that would be the case. I, 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 I have good faith that we will be. Well, uh, JJ Conan, uh, County Councillor uh, for Fianna Fáil, will you keep us updated on any developments for the uh, Wednesday on the Woman to Woman show? And uh, we can inform then our listeners. Absolutely, Roshi, would love to. JJ Conan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us on the Woman to Woman show today. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. That was JJ Conan there for uh, County Councillor. County Councillor for Fianna Fáil and we're going to go for a short break and we'll be talking to Sarah Cairns from the Amber Women's Refuge. Do stay tuned. We all want to stay safe and protect each other from coronavirus. We do this by cleaning our hands, social distancing and covering sneezes and coughs. We can also do this by wearing a face covering. Face coverings help prevent people who don't know they have the virus from spreading it to others. They should be worn anywhere it's difficult to stay two metres apart, like shops or public transport, or when visiting anyone who's more at risk. Wear a face covering. Stay safe. Protect each other. See hse.ie for more. Some of us are finding our sleep has become disrupted during this time. Try to switch off your devices an hour before sleep and keep a good bedtime routine. We're in this together. For more advice, see gov.ie slash together, an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Some of us are finding being outdoors hard. Keep in mind people with disabilities, including the visually impaired. Social distancing can pose real challenges. So just in case, offer support and step aside to give space. We're in this together. For more wellbeing advice, see gov.ie slash together, an initiative of the Government of Ireland. You're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. It's a busy show. And uh, that was, so we've been speaking today to um, Karen Kins from One Family Island and we've been speaking to um, Councillor Deirdre Cullen. And now on the line, we are speaking to Sarah Kearns, the outreach uh, worker for Amber Women's Refuge. Sarah, you're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show. 
thanks for having me. Sarah, I'm good, I'm good. You know what, I don't have any children, but I'm talking all about children these days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I do have children, they're just grown up now, they're they're adults. Yeah, 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 me too. Sometimes they can be worse. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, Sarah, you know, we've been talking about the issues impacting with maternity leave for, especially for one parent families with uh, Karen, uh, Kenan from One Parent Family and then mm-hmm. we did a call it about getting back to school. You know, mm-hmm. these are big issues I would even say for the Amber Women's Refuge. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like, yeah, women parenting on their own, well for any 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 parent that's parents on their own it's tough but definitely in the refuge um, there could be huge issues around getting childcare um, you know, getting the right kind of childcare, getting affordable childcare, um, maybe getting childcare for even a couple of hours a week as opposed to, you know, you might just need a break for a few days a week or a few hours and it can be difficult to afford it or to even access it. So for a lot of women, it's very tough. Um, but certainly things like trying to manage, I suppose, if you're at work or during the course or in training, and then you have to pick up children from school or pick them up from crash. It's it's really difficult when you do it on your own. Yeah, very very tough. And will these impacts sort of impact the um, the, the the women and the children in Amber Women's Refuge? Um, I suppose it would, yeah, because I mean, for a lot of women, if they can't get childcare, they don't have access to a lot of things, um, and they don't have any time really. I mean, we do have a certain amount of childcare programs that run but we don't have actually have a childcare facility per se to look after children so um you know it would really i suppose it would limit what a mother would be able to do and for a child it's really important for their development to be able to mix with other children so um you know it can be very hard and very especially if it's a very intense relationship if there's one or two children and it's just their mum and they're in um you know in a room in amber it can be really i suppose very very um very difficult and it's a small space you know we have a playroom but you know having some kind of childcare facilities is so important for more man for the children you know so it does impact them in different ways definitely and Sarah just for the children to leave the the sort of the, the um, women's refuge environment even though it is a wonderful safe place and a safe haven it's a safe mm. haven and a place to breathe and catch their breath it's still good and it's good mentally and emotionally and physically for the children to get out and go to school just to forget and take their minds off of what of, of really what their life is it has become no, absolutely, yeah. It's kind of some sort of normality to be going to school or going into a crash. You know, you have that routine and, um, you know, you're seeing your friends and, you know, you're getting time away from each other, which, you know, it's a healthy thing for children to be away from their parents for a while. Um, I suppose with the way things have been lately, it's very intense for families in small spaces and houses where children can get away and can't kind of socialise and mix but yeah, it's really important for, for, for parents in the refuge, for women in the refuge, definitely, to have their children going to school and for them to be, I suppose, yeah, having something that's, that, that's normal in the sense that, you know, they were doing that before they came to the refuge. So at least they actually have a, a, a good, healthy routine during the day, um, you know, and they're using their brains and their bodies and, you know, they're getting to meet their friends and, you know, their teachers. It's so important, that socialisation part of it. Because that is all the part, you know, even a child's development is that human interaction and being able to block off 
you call the issues that are going on and just to clear their head headspace that is a really important and for the mothers as well that they get mm. back to school and there is child care and that mm. school reopens in september yeah it's, it's critical isn't it it's really important to try and figure out a way that that, that can happen and that everybody can be safe but definitely the breathe but like you said the breathing space for the mother and the parents in general but for the children as well it's so important um like children are normally very kind of they come home tired from school you know if they're not getting that time away um for whatever six or seven hours a day you know there's a lot of uh, you know maybe they can be having a bit too much screen time yes. you know um but it's really important for their for their development and definitely for their for their mental well-being for for them and their the, you know and the parent really yeah it's really critical you said one thing you said they come home tired from school they come home tired and hungry from school and that is a really good uh, feeling for a mother when children come home they're tired and they're hungry because that's one way to nourish your children is to give them food and have food ready yeah absolutely yeah and i think for it's 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 nice kind of relaxing downtime for a lot of parents when their kids come home from school that they can kind of just chill with them have some dinner and then chill out because obviously they're going to bed early enough to get up for school so you know they've had their days they've been productive in whatever way in school um and you know they can tell you all about their day they have something to share at the end of the day and that's really important and it's it, it is good for, for mothers to know that that's what's happening like they're having a really good experience in school and to be able to to share what they've done during the day um you know to get a bit of homework done um yeah that it, it's kind of the normal things and i think like that's what we try to do in the refuge to keep things as normal as possible in, a, in an environment that's going to be strange um because children are coming in think and often they're wondering what was well, it going to be like in there can i do the things i did at home do you know so it's really like we're trying to make it almost as a, a, i don't know we keep saying the word normal but um yeah just that it's not too much of an upheaval because they've already had that upheaval in their life you know Yes, and um, we've got a couple of minutes to spare, but we just want to highlight the, the fundraiser that Amber Women have have launched now. It is an amazing one, and it's a real fun one, and it's all about children. Is if anybody's out there, the Amber Women's Refuge uh, have a GoFundMe. You, correct me if I'm wrong. You have a GoFundMe on your on your website and Facebook page, and it's for yes. it's for um, families, children, and anybody to. Uh, get up and um, upload a video of reading your favourite uh, passage or your favourite storybook and or even a photograph of you reading Anything. a book. Yeah, yeah. And it's just to really encourage that time together. Like, actually, I, I just wanted to say um, that I have been reading to my <laughs> to my godson and his sister and I, I do it through Zoom. Oh. So I literally, like, once or twice a week, I read them a bedtime story. So they're in bed and I'm on Zoom reading them a story. Isn't that lovely? And it's lovely because they fall asleep to the story and then when I see them, they, we talk all about the story, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, they go to bed pretty late now. So, like, you could be reading the story at half past ten at night, you know, yeah. and you're ready for bed yourself. But, no, it's a lovely thing to do. And it's a lovely um, way to connect with, 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 with family members. It really is. I know quite a few other people that are doing that with nieces and nephews. And, um, you know, if they don't have kids themselves or they're a little bit more senior and they'd like to kind of connect with their own, maybe their own grandkids, they're, they're doing this through Zoom or WhatsApp. And I think it's great. 
you know. So all they have to do is upload a photo or a video of them with the, either a photograph of them with their book or a, a video of them reading the book. Yeah. And even, yeah. even cuter if they're reading to their animals or their pets or even yeah, their teddy bears. Absolutely. You could even be reading to yourself or I reading know. to your sister. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a child. Or your favourite poem all. or your favourite yeah. passage. Well, we're running yeah. out of time, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming in uh, uh, on the phone and speaking to us today. We really appreciate that. It's always great to hear your voice. Okay, thanks for Rasheen. And thank you for all that you do offer Amber Women's Refuge as well. Okay, okay, thanks for Rasheen. Mind yourself. Take care, bye. Thanks. Well, that's all we have time for today. Stay up for Samantha Rawson. She's producing and presenting Kilkenny Today. Until next week, stay well and stay safe. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. 